Buenos dias and good morning, Lindsley Avenue. We have a number of people who are not with us here this morning from illness and travel out of town. And I want everyone who is here to know that when you're not here, it leaves a hole. We've got a hole right here in front of us from where a group are usually sitting, and they're not able to be here today watching remotely. But every part of the body, every member, every individual brings something to the family. So we're glad you are here and hope you will be able to be back with us again every opportunity you have. Because the family here at uh, Lindsley has kind of had a really rough stretch in the sense of some people who are sick, people who have had surgery, and just people facing challenges. I thought earlier this week to preempt where I was going to go with the topic this morning and just focus on something pretty basic because I thought I know I needed to be reminded of it and I hope everyone else would enjoy the reminder as well. Yes, Jesus loves me. So in a few minutes, we're going to actually look at a lot of passages about Jesus loving us and why he loves us. But as we get going, I'm looking for some help from three young, very handsome, and, and attractive individuals sitting right back here. If you three will come up. Appreciate it. We've got a, a surprise for everyone. So take some and let people choose. Get one yourself. You've got a big stash. Here's some more. Get a color you don't like, wave at one of them, and have them come and swap it out. It's just a little rubber bracelet thing to put on. These were popular some years ago when they said, what did Jesus do or what would Jesus do? And this one simply says, Jesus loves you. I'm hopeful that some of you will wear this at least during the week before it gets lost. That's my problem all the time. And when you see it, remember, Jesus really does love you. He does. So I appreciate the help that uh, these young people are giving. I've got my, what is that, lime, kind of a key lime color. It may remind me of key lime at some point during the week. But Jesus loves you. So if you, again, if you get it, see a color you don't like, you don't like the color being offered to you, wave somebody down. They've got plenty of them. You can swap it out. Anybody need a bracelet? Back here in the back. That's it. You've got to get some more out of other individuals. Max and MJ's got the other colors. You have the key lime color if you really want. You know, I mean, there, there are times when stuff like this can seem a little trivial, but again, I think we all need to be reminded that Jesus loves us. Uh, if you've got someone that you'd like to Nobody wanted the UT color. Those are the only ones left. So keep that in mind this week. I want to start off actually uh, having us all sing together uh, the first verse that we saw uh, had a moment ago that Jeff was leading us to So let's sing this one. No chorus. It'll be odd stopping without the chorus, but we'll stop here with just the first verse. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. 
habits of a lifetime are hard to break. I want us to look at this idea and some of the phrasing from this song a little more closely. Because the Bible says a lot about Jesus loving us. John 15, verse 9. Jesus here is speaking to his disciples when they're gathered together for their large meal. And it's the longest single recorded uh, discussion that Jesus has with his disciples right here in this section of the Gospel of John. And he says to his disciples, and by extension, all of us, he says, I love you just as the Father loves me. How much do you think the Father loved the Son? God loved Jesus. I would suspect the whole, whole lot. And Jesus loves us with that same type of love. So how much does Jesus love me? Whole, whole lot. Don't ever imagine that he doesn't. He loves us a whole, whole lot. When you look at Ephesians 5, Paul here telling these Christians to walk in love, live their life surrounded by love, live their life with an outlook of love, have their actions be in the framework of love so that they are loving actions. Why? Walk in love as Christ, as Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us. Part of that love that God had for Jesus was the ability, the willingness God had to allow his son to die. Part of Jesus' love for us was being willing to die. He gave himself in my place. He took upon himself the burden of my own ignorant choices, my own sinful decisions. And then we have Revelation 1.5, the passage that Howard read a moment ago. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves you. And a big part of that love that he showed for us was through his willingness to die and shedding his blood to forgive us of our sins and the consequences of those sins. Look at the last part of that first verse. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Jesus has a very special place for children. And I don't know, it's not specifically stated in the New Testament, but if there are degrees of punishment in hell, I would not be at all surprised if those who harm little children near the center of all that. He has a very, very special love for children. And as such, all of us should too. But look at these verses here. We're going to look at several of them. Showing Jesus in his love and appreciation for little children. Matthew 18, 10 and 14. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. I don't know exactly what to make of a statement in the middle right there where it says, their angels in heaven always see the face of the Father. You know, some people take that and they run with the idea of a guardian angel. I'm okay if, if that's a viewpoint that somebody wants to make. It's hard to know for sure. But at the very least, there's a lot of focused attention on little children. Whether it's a guardian angel as such, that phrase doesn't occur in the New Testament, but this certainly seems to suggest 
the father and the angels are very, very focused on children. And the father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should ever perish. So beware humanity that does things that are not going to take care of and prevent little children, uh, prevent harm from little children. A little bit later in the next chapter, Matthew 19, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. Well, first of all, right there, that's an example we can easily follow in praying for little children. Praying that they be kept safe from harm, praying that their families will be blessed, that their families will make good choices in raising the children, and that they become who God would want them to be. I don't know exactly what Jesus prayed about them, but that's what I imagine would certainly be involved in that prayer. So they're bringing the children to Jesus, but the disciples think they're interrupted. They're keeping Jesus from doing the important things. You know, keeping Jesus from making pronouncements about doom on Samaritans. Or keeping Jesus from making statements of great philosophical value. Like, don't get me wrong. Jesus said a lot of many, many great things. Everything he said. I, I'm, I'm half joking here. It's not an interruption. Jesus gets very, very irritated here. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. If I want to be part of the kingdom of heaven, there's a very strong implication here that I need to approach God as a little child. A little child who's very happy that his father loves him, the father, the creator of everything, loves him, loves us, loves her, and that we all understand that we are children of God. I love the time that Jesus took for the important things here, blessing the little children. Luke 9. Yeah, this is, I thought it was amazing when you look at this. These are not all the exact same situations recorded separately. There were multiple occasions where children were brought to Jesus. Luke 9, 47 and 48. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. Jesus speaking in South Israel at the time, using you all. Look at what he says. If you welcome this child in my name, you welcome me. Should we be focused on looking out for and helping children? Absolutely yes. And some of us yesterday had the opportunity right in the parking lot next door to try to bring a smile to some children, to let children know that people they don't know love them and care about them. We went up to them and tried to say, you know, what flavor snow cone do you have? You know, have you been eating a hot dog? Just interacting with children, taking the time away from are really complicated, important adult things in order to let children know that we love them and we're wanting to look after them. So, so much appreciation going to all those who were able to be here to help. Jesus focused on children. You welcome a little child in his name. You welcome Jesus. And if you welcome Jesus, you welcome God the Father. It can start, it can start with children. Mark 10. This is probably a repeat of what we had seen in Matthew. 
People were bringing little children for, to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Look, this is where you know what Jesus thought about that. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He's got steam coming out of whatever he's wearing. He's not happy with this. What do you mean stopping the little children from coming to me? He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Look for ways to bless the lives of children. Look for ways to bless the families that have little children. Look for ways to stay a little child inside. What does he mean? That if you do not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you'll never enter. I'm real fearful that if we think we're going to enter the kingdom of God by understanding uh, verb uh, declensions and all this kind of stuff in the Greek or the Hebrew, or that we understand all of the different logical steps you go through to get to this forbidden activity at the bottom of the long page, we're not approaching the kingdom of God as a little child. God loves me. God wants me to love him, and that means living for God, not living for myself. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't. So don't try to approach the kingdom of God as a PhD in Hebrew or some such. You need to approach it as a little child. Little children are the most loving little balls of energy you'll ever encounter. They'll hug you at the drop of a hat. Because they're so happy to have someone who loves them. God loves us. Jesus loves us. Remember that, my brother. Remember that this week. Look at verse 2. Jesus loves me. He who died heaven's gate to open wide. He died for each and every one of us. He died to allow us to live with God. John 15, 13, back to that uh, statement he makes, one of the statements he makes in that long discussion with his apostles. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid out his life for his friends, which is what he did. He told them, I have called you friends. I called you friends. He laid down his life for them. Well, he laid down his life for me. That makes me, that makes you Someone Jesus would include in his list, if you will, of friends. He's got a lot of friends. He laid down his life for everyone. Look at Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us once we had gotten our lives all straightened out. He didn't die for us once we had been living for him for years and years and years. It was while every single one of us were sinners. Every single one of us going our own way, living for ourselves, that Jesus died. God allowed Jesus to die for people that were essentially raising a fist to God, saying, I want to do what I want to do. The memory that comes to mind where that phrase is used, I want to do what I want to do, comes from one of my favorite movies. It's, the, it's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart. He'd been wanting to do so many things that he wanted to do, none of which were bad. None of which were bad, but circumstances kept coming into play where he couldn't do what he wanted to do. And you remember, he's crying, I want to do what I want to do. And 
it turned out he was never really able to do that, but he made a difference in so many people's lives. Well, here, it's not that we were wanting to do what we wanted to do, going on a trip or this kind of stuff. We were wanting to do things that were harmful to us. We wanted to do things that were sinful. We wanted to be doing things that God had not wanted us to do. That's when God allowed his son to come and die. He showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners in rebellion to God, Jesus died for us. 2 Corinthians 5. We are ruled by the love of Christ. Now that we recognize that no one man, uh, that one man rather died for everyone, one man died for everyone, which means that they all share in his death. He died for all so that those who live no longer should live for themselves, but only for him who died and was raised to life for their sake. Jesus died for us so that we would share in that death and then live for him. As we were talking in class, where we really share that death is when we hear the good news of what Jesus did for us, we understand it, we receive that word, we know we need to change our lives, change our minds, and change our actions, and we die to ourselves in the waters of baptism. That is where we die to our old way of living and are raised to walk in newness of life. That's the idea behind what Paul is talking about right here. We should no longer live for themselves, live for ourselves, but only, only what? Only live for him who died and was raised to life for their sake, for our sake. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. Jesus died for sins once for all. There is no need for another sacrifice. Some of our religious friends and neighbors want to reenact the sacrifice of Jesus every week. They want to have other sacrifices still be necessary today. One time for all time for all people. That's what the Bible teaches. The just, Jesus, for the unjust, humanity. Why? Why did he do that? Well, look at the top of the slide. He did it, first of all, because he loves me. He did it because he loves me. But he also did it so that he might bring us to God. He might bring us to God. Having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. Who does that refer to? That last little phrase, look at that. Who's that referring to? Is it referring to Jesus? It's certainly true of Jesus. He died in the flesh and was raised. Those who have come to God do the same thing. We are also made dead in the flesh, so to speak, living for the flesh and raised to walk in newness of life with God's Spirit living within us. Look at the last part of verse 2. He will wash away my sin let his little child come in. Let's look at that. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. You were ransomed from the useless way of life you learned from your ancestors. Living like great Uncle Fred, right? Who, who lived for himself every single day. We have been saved from the useless way of life. Useless. It's a useless way of life. We learned from our ancestors. But you know that you were not rescued by things such as gold, silver, or gold that don't last forever. You were rescued by the precious blood of Christ, that spotless and innocent lamb. We were saved by the blood of Christ. He will wash away my sin. We 
saw this again, focus it in a different way. Revelation 1 5, looking at this other Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, we talked about that, and did what? And washed us from our sins by his blood. He washed our sins away by his blood. How does he do that? Well, again, as we were talking in class today, in every example where there is any detail, any information at all about how somebody became a follower of Jesus, Baptism is always mentioned. It's not, I say this a lot, but it's not like there's some magic detergent in the water. There is no sin removal detergent in the water. It's not the water at all. It's the fact that Jesus died and said, you need to die and be raised to walk as a different person. And where that happens, Romans 6 tells us, is when we are baptized. Our old self dies and a new person comes up. Jesus loves us. Look at the last line of the song. He will wash away my sin. Let his little child come in. Is this only for four-year-olds? Is this only for four-year-olds? Is that who's supposed to come to Jesus in this last little phrase? No. Because, remember, Jesus had said, whoever will not receive the kingdom of God as a what? Remember? As a little child will not enter I need to be his little child. I need to approach God as a little child who's loved by the Father. Last, last slide. Let his little child come in. Galatians 3.26. I know I've mentioned baptism a few times this morning. It's, it's hard to avoid when you're talking about somebody responding to the love of God. When you talk about someone who is changing their life and becoming a follower of Jesus. Look at Galatians 3, 26, 27. You are all sons, and I will put in the parentheses here, and daughters of God. You are all children of God through your faith in Christ Jesus. Why? Because as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We all become children of God. Focus on children. When we recognize our sinful situation, understand what Jesus did for us. He loved us and saved us through the shedding of his blood and we respond to that. We change our minds, which has to lead to a change of action. If my actions don't change, I really never change my mind. And the mind has to be changed. If you change your actions and don't change your mind, you're just faking it. you got to change your mind and your actions and you need to be baptized into Christ. Die to your own way of living and be raised to walk as a completely new person. That's what our response should be to the love of Jesus. So absolutely, yes, Jesus loves me. He loves me because the Bible tells me so. The question this morning is, what will I do in response to the love of Jesus? If there's a way we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.